This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, everybody, Carm Capriato, Aftermarket Weekly. I don't know, Bill, it's week 164. I just can't believe when uh, Tom Hamm approached me on this 164 weeks ago, <laughs> we decided to do this. I've been having so much fun. Bill DeBoyer is with me. Hello, Bill. Good morning, Carm. How are you? I'm great. DeBoyer's Auto Sales and Service. Uh, we had Bill on a while back talking about his great book that he wrote on fleet services. And I also think we were getting a little insight into this new building that you had. It was either halfway built or the architect plans were there and it looked so gorgeous. I'm trying to think. I don't even think we were shovels in the ground at that point, to be honest with you. I think we had the site pad was prepped, but we dug holes for the foundations on March 1st. So. And I think you had this incredibly aggressive build date. And, you know, I've kind of seen some of that stuff work back in the old days when we were building buildings. That's what you did as an entrepreneur. You said, well, I can build this. My uncle's a contractor. We can general this, right? And I realized it was so damn aggressive. And we now have a chance to see inside this absolutely beautiful building. Here we get some video footage of it. And your dad is still with us. What does he think? He loves it. Actually, this was his idea. We had this office space and we weren't really fully utilizing it and we're growing the the auto repair business are running out of room and having problems with these larger vehicles. And he said, what if we just knock down that office building and put a shop there? And that's kind of like where it all kicked off from there. So, And you didn't argue with him, did you? No. I said, well, let me think about this. How's this play out? <laughs> and so you were in charge of the yellow pad and the financing. And yeah, did you spend more than you thought? A little bit, but not much more. Ran into a few things here and there. That were really planned, but all stuff that had to be done, you know. There's a bunch of things I want to know and talk to you about. Uh, in the meantime, hey, we thank you so much. We're coming to you live from the Dorman OE Fix studio, sometimes called my Carm Cave. We thank you, Dorman, for your continued support. Dorman Products creates hundreds of new automotive replacement products every month. Part of what makes Dorman so unique is their ideation of new and innovative products. They have dedicated teams all across the U.S., Mexico, and Canada looking for new product ideas. Since every solution starts with a problem, these teams of researchers, field analysts, product specialists, and contributors consistently visit repair shops and make field calls. Now, this is to best understand the problems the industry is facing. In certain cases, Dorman will manufacture aftermarket replacements so you aren't forced to go back to the OE. Other times, experts take it an additional step, further solving what made the original part problematic in the first place. Solving for a problem is what powers the innovation engine at Dorman. Dorman Products has become an incredible engine for innovation. They are constantly bringing new replacement parts to the automotive industry, and they routinely release tens of thousands of parts across all different categories. Now, why do they do all of this? to enable technicians the freedom to fix their customers' cars and trucks. To do this, Dorman has dedicated teams focused on different aspects of the vehicle to ensure that they are meeting the needs of the aftermarket. Although a lot of their parts are reverse engineering of original equipment, they also redesign and redefine solutions such as their loaded knuckles or programmable electronic power steering rack. Dorman has invested in these OE Fix innovations to help you save time, your customer money, and prevent vehicles from coming back to your shop. In certain cases, Dorman will manufacture aftermarket replacements so you aren't forced to go back to the OE. Hey, want to know more about Dorman? Visit dormanproducts.com forward slash tour. Thank you so much, Dorman. Bill, a question. You did take that book, credible book on fleet management out to 
clients. And I got to tell you all, please go listen to this episode we did. It was Remarkable Results 831. And the book's called Profitable Fleet Management for for Small and Medium Businesses. And basically what Bill did is he created himself like that leave behind. Here's about our company. Here's what you have to do. But it was an educational piece. And it basically said to a small or medium fleet, hey, listen, these are the things you need to pay attention to if you want to gain as much use of those vehicles and great, you know, cost per mile. How has that continued to work for you? That's worked great. I mean, we're still dropping it off in a schedule and meetings with companies and having discussions and bringing them into the fold. It's a, it's a great little piece to help educate people and bring them into our ecosystem. I mean, it's working out really well. So I love the word ecosystem. I mean, I'm sorry, that is just almost the right words to say in today's business climate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's such a pain point inside these companies. I mean, you can't believe once you get in there and start having the discussions with who the stakeholders are, you know, for a company like us, that just go in there and, and try to help people and, and manage their situations for them. And they just really appreciate it. And uh, we just do what we do best, take care of people, you know. Bill, in your networking environment, has any other shops that you know said, hey, Bill, give me a couple of these books. Let me use them. Put my sticker on the front of the book. Let me use them to help and maybe gain some commercial business. I haven't really come across that yet. I've been sharing the book with people and they think it's a great idea and stuff like that. We're probably going to do a second round hitting the uh, different trade podcasts in the near future and really getting the book out there a lot more too. So, but uh, yeah. Cool. Good for you. So you have a car care club still working really well? The car care club, we don't really do so much anymore. We kind of pull back on that. And why? Just didn't really feel like the penetration was there for trying to sell one more thing to the customer at the time. So got it. I kind of just made it easier. So in business, what, plus 30 years? Plus 40. Plus 40. 41st year in business, yeah. In Hamburg, New Jersey, did you have to really consider that part of the move in the new building after all these great successful years, you had to put people on staff in order to be able to accept the new capacity that you were working for? Yeah. So what we did was in January, we opened up a satellite shop so we can bring on those additional technicians. It was a mile down the road, so we can start ramping up and we're actually going to be pulling out of that shop. We sunset that this week at 630 and then we're going to be moving boxes into the new building here and get rolling next month. How were you lucky enough to find yourself a satellite down the road or did you own that building? No, we didn't own it. It just uh, happened to be in the right spot at the right time for us. So eyes and ears open and paying attention and a six month arrangement to hire the people so that you can acclimate them into the business. Yeah. And yeah, we were really lucky with that. So tell me, what were any any major challenges in building this new facility? Couple challenges with the building manufacturer, couple to speak of, but I'm, I'm nothing I really want to get into too much with them, but that was really the only hiccup. I mean, we, all of our subs were just incredible. Everybody came in and just executed on everything. Of course, being in the fleet business, now we take care of everybody's fleet that we were working with on the job. So they had a vested interest in making sure that we were up and running. So tell me you have a plumber and a carpenter and an electrician all in all in fleet business. I mean, that is just incredible. Our sign guy, our landscaper, all of them, you know, so it's it just incredible guys. They did incredible work. I mean, we, we had them all stacked up here. I mean, we'd have five subs on the job every day here trying to get this thing done. So we had that accelerated build time and we had to get it done. There's a great point for everyone to think about. You may just have the subs 
already in your friendship or business circle. Yes, absolutely. So don't be afraid to add those four bays on the back of your building because you don't know what to do with all the parking spots that you have. So just do it. I mean, today you're either going to find a transition program, you're going to expand your current building, or you may, if you're successful enough, profitable enough, expand to a second location. Those are the the choices that people have that are And you said the word earlier, sunset, that in their sunset years, I know there's a lot of people that are 60. I have a lot of friends that are in business that are 60 that are thinking about tomorrow more than ever. And they say, do I have a five-year or a 10-year plan? I mean, we're not feeling old at 60 anymore, Bill. Well, I've learned through your podcast, it takes up to five years to exit a business properly too, right? Yeah, unless you're already there, ready to go, and someone walks in the door, knocks on it. You've got this perfect P&L business culture ready to go. And you know what? That's what I love about the guys that are at the top of their craft, Bill. They're just like, they on a dime, they could get out because they don't have to rewind and go forward again, trying to fix things and make things right. and. So I put all this stuff through my business and, you know, the buyer says, well, just prove it to me, show me, and I'll add it back. Oh, oh, I have to do that? I want to buy a business on a boat. <laughs> You've been in enough 20 groups to hear that story, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I got to see this place now. Wow, look at that. I'm going to shut up and let you go, bud. What we're showing there is our existing building that we've been in for all that time. Looks to be from the front, just your typical two-bay shop. What you can't see is on the backside, we have an additional, there was an addition put onto the building, which got us an extra two bays in the back at some point prior to us owning it. But that's our waiting room right there. We got Cassandra and Will up front taking care of some customers. We did a remodel in 2017, which brought it up to date. That's the office right behind the uh, waiting area, kind of Tina's our store manager. She sits in there. We have our key center and our board system in there managing the car flow. And this is the original place. Yes, this is the original one. So now we're in the shop. There's Corey. So there's our two twin post lifts up front there that we've been using. And what's going to happen? Is this going to stay as a working facility? Yeah, it's going to stay as a working facility. It's Josh and Bill Bosch. There's our alignment rack with our Hawkeye Elite. We put in that mid-rise just a couple years ago to try to keep up the demand that gets used well. Then we obviously we put an outdoor lift in as well. I mean, when I interview people from Florida and California, I see this outside stuff. But you're in Hamburg, New Jersey. Doesn't it rain and snow there pretty bad? It snows, it rains. And yeah, so yeah, if you, you could back up a little bit. But the uh, probably did that about five years ago now. Last year, we actually put that awning over there. We spent almost $10,000 on that commercial awning. I see it. Get the guys uh, some coverage. Yeah, but or you can see like that toll van with the ladders on top. That's the stuff that we were running up against. We had 12-foot ceilings in this old shop. So this really helped us get into that a lot more and made it a lot easier to work on stuff. So if it was raining and you had a, a car on that lift, you'd just probably an electric awning that comes out and you guys would, would at least be protected from the rain. Yep. Rain keeps the sun off too if the guys want to stay out of the sun. What about the iron that's out there? Do you cover it at all if it's a bad rainstorm? No, we just maintenance it. I mean, you can see we got a five-gallon bucket over the power unit, keeps it out of the weather, and then uh, just greasing up the cables, doing good maintenance on it once or twice a year. So More power to you. A lot of guys in the northern area that you know of have outside lifts, or are you just a rare guy? I don't know. Uh, not any guys in my network that I know of. We're scrappy. We got to do what we got to do. So You know, I was going to say you got a lot of stones, but the word scrappy is just as good. 
that's our outside waiting area. When we went into COVID, we set that up and we locked out our office space. Yeah. And then we recently, just this past year, we put an electric vehicle, Chevy Bolt into our loaner fleet and obviously put on the, uh, the Autel charger there. That's one of those where the people can actually show up and pay if they wanted to use it as well. So it also doubles as a charger for us, but help out people if they're driving by and need some charge. Smart. I'm seeing a lot of that happen. So what's this? This is the old office space. So it was a three office suite, obviously from a converted house way back in the day. We bought it back in 2015. We try to run it as a uh, shared office space center, but there's just so much office space around us. It was kind of competition. So we used it as a U-Haul office for a while and then doing what we're doing there and knocking it down. Man, oh man. Oh, I love this. Wait a minute. Oh my, we have a time-lapsed construction. First time on our show. First time ever. If you go back to that other one, there was an exterior garage in the back there. So those upper windows, we were able to stick the uh, iPhone up in there and oh, get a time I lapse. Oh, I see. And this time lapse, it clicked a picture how often? Every minute or two or three? Yeah, whatever the iPhone setting is for it. But yeah, we that was our little clubhouse site. That was a makeshift conference room in my office for, for a little while. How big is the building? How many? 5,000 square? No, nah, that's 3,000 square feet. So we're on a small lot here. It's uh, 75 by 150. So it was a tight little fit, but it sure looks like it. New Jersey real estate's expensive. Taxes are high and we got to work with what we got. Got it. Was it tough to get all the permits? No, the town was very, very easy to work with. So look at that. That's a really sharp looking building. Thank you. You could have put up a standard ugly thing, but you got a little architecture thing going there. Look at that. Yeah, the design build phase. Yeah, we were able to put a nice front on a steel building and really make it look nice. Wow. Side loader. Yeah. So we got four bays on this side, two 12,000 pound lifts on the front two bays, and then two 10,000 in the ground lifts on the back two. This was just last week. We just finished getting it paved. They got to come back and stripe it. Those garage doors are just temporary right now. It's the last holdup of this project. We have nice glass doors with powder-coated black frames on them. Nice. They're doing this Friday, so that's why you see the plywood on the back. Those are your back doors, okay. Yeah, those are two big 14-foot bay doors as well. 16,000-pound lifts in there. I got on the right side is a Hunter 16,000-pound alignment rack, and then on the left is a Rotary 16,000-pound lift. Now, your commercial business, what percentage of your overall is commercial? I mean, is it like 50-50? No, we don't want to be that heavy. We want to keep it about a third is what our goal is. So and the way we're working everything, this is pretty much just going to be a production facility here. I have my office in this building now. We're going to have a kitchenette for everybody to have a break room at. If you saw in the other building, we didn't really have any space for any of that stuff. So uh, we pick up that for everybody here. Where were the customers park? Off to the, uh, where the side loads were? If you see, we got plenty of parking next door there. So we're going to run everybody through over there. We got two advisors up front. We're going to keep everything going through there. Got it. An arts manager is actually going to come over to this building. We built a parts room in here. And then if you see this pulling area here, this is where all the parts deliveries are going to be. That little man door on the uh, side is where the deliveries will go in and the parts rooms right there. Can't wait to see inside. Yep. So that's right inside the front door there. We got a ADA compliant bathroom and set up maybe some space there for an extra service advisor. As we grow into this building, we're probably going to need a third service advisor. There's a parts room. 
just finished painting it this weekend. So we're going to load in and shelving in there. And then there's the uh, counter for the parts room looking out into the shop. It's so nice to see brand new. I mean, you don't have to have brand new to have a great business. Did I see an interesting barn door style there? Yeah, yeah, we did a Dutch door for the parts room so that they can communicate with the service device that would be sitting out there and still be able to keep the climate control separate. Man, nice and bright. Did you air condition it? Yep, it's air conditioned, heated well. There's those two 12,000 in the ground lifts. Then we got the lowest spot on our ceiling is 20 foot 9 inches at the walls. So, and it just goes up from there. So we got tons of room to go up with box truck, ladders, you know, all that stuff. There's a mezzanine actually on top of the parts room there too. That's where our compressor is. We're doing some oil storage up there. Our waste oil system's going in there. Any problem with the bank? I mean, I'm just going to make an assumption you that you probably got a mortgage in the economy that we're in. Was financing a good thing for you? We were able to self-finance the project and we'll convert it to a conventional mortgage to recapture the cash afterwards. Oh, this must be the bill office. Yeah, so this is going upstairs. This is where the uh, kitchenette dining area is going to be. We got a mechanical room on that far side. And here is my conference room and a little bit of a stand-up desk for me to work at. Is this where you're coming to us live from right now? Where I'm coming from. Beautiful. Nice. Nice thing is, is I got the windows up here. I can see across and pretty much watch the entire operation from where I'm standing. There's an old photo they brought out at the grand opening. We just did a grand opening for the building a couple of weeks ago. It went off really great. Where was dad in that picture? There's my mother and father right there. There's my father and my mother. Yeah, that was in 1985 when they bought this location here in Hamburg. We actually opened in 82 in an old Chrysler building in Newton. Got it. Okay, play it forward. And I think your dad is in the uh, ribbon cutting. Yep. That's me and my father and the, the former mayor and the current mayor. Got it. My wife and my mother. Wow. Look at that. Oh, this is a great picture. I love that picture. Yeah, we were really excited because Benny there on the left, we were able to use it as a fundraiser to benefit them. We sold 50-50 tickets. We pulled the winner that day. Worked out really well. We were able to raise the pot. It was a $28,000 split, 50-50, $14,000. And the winner actually donated half of their earnings back to Benny's bodega. So he, he walked away with a $21,000 check that day. And what happened with Benny? Anything? I mean, what was it about? So he serves a niche population called Alice, which is asset limited, income constrained. And these are people that are working and they can't make ends meet, but at the same time, they don't qualify for government assistance. And Benny's Bodega completely operates without any government funding. It's by the people, for the people. And he allows people to come in twice a month, stock up on all the supplies that they carry in their store, groceries, personal stuff that they would need. And they just have to show a, a paycheck and they're allowed to come in twice a month. And uh, he helps everybody out. Does he give them free food, discount, something? Yeah, everything's free. So they come in, they have a, a shopping experience like they would be at the grocery store, but they they can take whatever their needs and provisions they need are for that time period. So. Bill, you're big in community. Is it a reason for your great success? I feel obligated to get back because of our success. So we try to help out the BA with, there's a couple different things that we do within it. But this was just where we were able to help him out with that that day. So rolled it into our grand opening. I understand. And, but I do see a lot of your social stuff and I, I do get, I get your newsletter. And I'll tell you, man, it's, it looks like a very delicious newsletter because there's always recipes in there. Always a good recipe. Heidi puts that in there. <laughs> so have you ever put a recipe in there that you've not yet tried? No. 
And if you notice, we usually drop the recipes around lunchtime when everybody's just starting to get hungry. I know. So it usually gets a lot of attention just because of that. That is one heck of an idea for another shop owner who's listening to this to say, yeah, wow, why aren't we doing something foodie-ish in our marketing or in our, in our newsletters that we put out? Wow. Thank you so much for sharing this. And I loved the person who did this. What's her name? Heidi's our content manager here. She's worked with us for, uh, she's going on five years now. Wow. Well, you tell Heidi she did an excellent job. We sure appreciate her editing. We didn't have to do anything. We just got the video and let it play. And that's a hell of a video to just to be showing on the front counter for people. Let them. Yeah, we're going to cut that out and uh, let it rip out there in the ecosystem. Oh, good for you. Anything else that's burning that's going on in the industry that you'd love to make a comment on, Bill? I don't think there's anything too burning right now. I mean, we're just could go on. To be honest, I've had my head down for the past. So we, we dug in on March 1st and here we are just finishing up, you know, June and we're going to be moving into the building and starting to produce work out of here. So within four months, we're shovels to be and finished. So I'm pretty proud of that. Blown away, but usually here a six month number. And if you were here, you would have seen, I mean, it was just to show up on the job site and just see all these guys running around is crazy, but I don't know. I kind of think those contractors work a little bit quicker when there's other people standing around too. So don't tell them that. Interesting behind the scenes think. Wow. Bill DeBoyer, DeBoyer's Auto Sales and Service, Hamburg, New Jersey. Beautiful new building. Thank you for sharing. Great. Thanks for having me, Carm. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.